today, um, we're going to continue in our Planks and Specs series. So if you've got a Bible, Luke chapter 15 is where we're going. If you don't have a Bible, you can follow along on screen in your outline, or you can turn on our app, and you can follow along there. Um, This is our third week of our Planks and Specs series, and we've been talking about um, really judging. Um, That's that's really what this series um, is about. It's about really um, considering ourselves before we start looking at and pointing fingers at other people, taking the plank out of our own eye before we point out the speck in our brother or our sister's eye. Um, And we've been talking about not being judgy, and we've been really talking about how as Christians, how we're supposed to act or how we're supposed to look at um, and and, um, behave, if if you will, for lack of a better word, in in the world around us. Um, I told you last week that um, this was, um, uh, I told you last week we were doing a two-part message. Last week was part one, today is part two. Um, So that's what we're going to dive into. Before we get into that, though, um, i got a question, and this is not a a condemning question. Um, This is just out of curiosity, trying to kind of survey the room. How many people, and and listen, I'm going to put my hand up first, just so you know there ain't no shame, all right? Because if anybody needs to hear this message this morning, uh, it's Pastor Ryan. Um, There's like things that happen in my life, I think, that God just kind of looks at and is just like, Okay, you want to preach on that? I'm going to let you, uh, so I'm, I'm going to put you in situations and see how you flourish. And I fail miserably every time, just so you know. Um, so how many of you, how many of you would be honest to admit, in church, you've ever been angry at somebody? Anybody? <laughs> that's pretty much all of us, right? That's like, that's like human condition. In week number one, I asked you this question, and I didn't, um, I didn't, I didn't really want an, an answer to this question. It was like one of those hypertorical questions. Is that how you said No, whatever. It's one of those. And I asked you, I said, why do people who follow Jesus seem to be some of the angriest people that we know? Remember when I asked you that? And again, I didn't really want an answer back because, because it wasn't really something to, to answer. It was just kind of one of those things that, that it's just true. And, and, and we talked about it that week in the context of judging other people that we perceive to sin differently than we do, or we, we perceive that they sin more than we do. And I'm never going to stand up on this stage and rank sins with you, and I'm never going to come up here and tell you, um, don't judge me because I sin differently than you. And like that's, that's one of the dumbest statements that has ever been put on a T-shirt or a coffee mug or, or anything, by the way. And so if you say that, stop saying it. Um, <laughs> but why is it? Why is it that if, if we're followers of Jesus Christ, and, and we all would agree that Jesus is supposed to be our example, yes or no? Yes. And if Jesus only really got angry about two times in the Scripture, why is it that those of us who claim to be his followers, who want to follow him, who want to take our next steps, why do we seem to be the angriest people around? And so the reason I brought that up a few weeks ago is because what I have seen over the years, and, and this, is just, this is just my church world experience. Your church world experience could be completely different than mine. You could maybe just see happy people all the time. I don't know. But in my church world experience, I've met some people who are super, 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 super angry. Have you ever met those people? Don't point. And don't angry look at the person sitting next to you right now. Right? But, but have you ever seen it? Now, now, we don't call it angry. Because we would all admit that anger is a sin. We would all say, no, getting angry is a sin. Getting mad, losing your temper, that's a sin. And, and we don't want to do that. And so we don't call it angry. We call it hurt. We say we're upset. 
We call it disappointment. Get quiet in here when you say those things, right? When we start telling you the truth. We don't call it angry. We, 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 we dress it up and we hide it. But listen, what I've discovered, and this is, again, this is just from my own experience, from my own life, observing my life and observing other people. And, and listen to me. Here, here's, here's the thing. I want us to move past anger and move past being angry people because angry people always miss out on the work that God is doing in the world and in the work that God wants to do in them. Let me say that again. Angry people always miss out on the work that God is doing in the world and the work that he wants to do in them. Because listen, when we're angry at another person and we let that anger consume us, we will always miss out on what God is doing in the world around us. Always. And when that happens, we also miss out on some incredible stuff that God wants to do in our own lives as well. Now, I know everybody in this room now, right now has a story about how that particular person hurt you, right? And, and you could come up here and you could tell that story. Ron, you don't understand what they did. You don't know how bad they hurt me. You don't know how bad they disappointed me. You don't know how bad they made me angry. And you're right, I don't. I have no idea what that particular person did to you. Um, but let's just kind of look at the story that Jesus is telling and look at why we need to move past this idea of anger. Um, we're talking about the prodigal son. We started that last week. In Luke chapter 15, Jesus is, is telling a series of stories. He tells three. They're called parables. Um, in the first parable of Luke chapter 15, he tells a story about a lost sheep. A sheep goes out and it gets lost and the shepherd goes out and spends all this time and finds it, brings it back, and, and, and they're happy about that. The second one, the second parable, there's a, a story about a lost coin. This lady loses a coin and they work and they work and they work and they find the coin and everybody's fine with the coin. And then he tells this story about last week we saw um, there were some sons. How many sons were there? Two, right? Remember that? There were two sons. And we know what the one son did because he's popular all over the world for, like, screwing up his life, right? He gets his inheritance. Remember this? He, he goes to his dad and says, hey, I want my inheritance. Give me what's owed to me. Like, you're dead to me. I want to leave you. There's, like, tension between him and the father. And so the father gives it to him, and he goes out. He parties it all away. He winds up losing all of his money, and he ends up in the pig pen. And the Bible says, and we talked about this last week, remember? The Bible said when he came to his senses, and I said that's key to all of us. When we understand where we're at and we understand there has to come a point in our lives that we come to our senses and say, I don't want to live this way anymore. I don't want to be like this. I, I know that, that, I can, that I can be better. I know God has greater things for me. I know God has a greater plan for me. God has a greater purpose for me. And so he came to his senses and he said, the servants in my dad's house have it better than I have it right now. And so I'm going to get up, and I'm going to go back to my dad's house, and I'm going to say, Dad, can I at least become a servant in your house? And so he goes back to the father's house, and the father runs to him and throws his arms around him and kisses him, mess and all. And he says, you are my son, and you are home. And he threw a party, and they began to celebrate. And that's where we're picking up the story today. Now, when he said this, everybody in the crowd, as they're hearing Jesus tell this story, they're like, okay, one lost sheep, one lost coin, a lost son, and then in verse 25, Jesus starts out, and he says this word, meanwhile. And when he said that, everyone's like, oh, yeah, he had two sons. And so this isn't one of Jesus' one-and-done stories. He's, he's going to keep going. There's something here about the other son. So meanwhile, the older son was in the field, in the field, in the field, in the We're going to come back to that. That's huge. 
When he came near the house, he heard, everybody say heard. That's big. We're going to come back to that too. He heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has him back safe and sound. Now don't miss this. The older brother is in the field. The father is in the house. The father's in the house. The older brother is in the field. The father's in the, the older brother's in the, this is a problem. It's a huge problem because they're far away from each other. They're not connected to each other. The son is not connected to the father because if he had been connected to the father, he would have known what mattered to him. At the end of the day, I think there's a lot of people in the world that are surrendered to what I would call the global will of God and, and even the moral will of God. Well, I know that's right and I know that's wrong and so I'm not gonna do that. But I don't believe that enough of us are surrendered to the personal will of God. Because listen to me, if we get surrendered, truly surrendered to the personal will of God, it actually gets into how we treat other people. And we should be all about connecting people to Jesus and each other. That's what we should be about. I'm preaching to me as much as I'm preaching to anybody else in this room right now. That we need to be about connecting people to Jesus and each other because that's what matters to the Father, connecting those that are lost to him. But this older brother had lost that connection. Every single one of us knows what it's like to lose connection. Every single one of us knows what it's like to be riding down the road and you're talking to somebody on the phone and all of a sudden your phone rings, right? And you look at the phone and it's the person that you were talking to. What happened? You did what? Drop the call. How frustrating is that? Hey, man, you remember? Oh, my gosh. Hey, hey, where were we? Dude, you dropped me seven minutes ago. Why do you talk so long? You gotta, then you kind of pick that all back up. All of us know what it's like to drop a call. In fact, a lot of us know the parts of town or the areas, especially in the rural areas, where we can drive through or can't drive through because if we drive through those areas, we drop a call. We tell people, I'm about to what? Lose you, right? Some of us in this room, I'm not going to say who, but his initials are John Sampson, um, have faked dropping a call. Oh, Pastor, I can't. Losing you, click. You know, it kind of hits it because he doesn't want to deal with me. It moves on, whatever. <laughs> At the end of the day, we all know what it's like to lose connection. I would argue that's what happened to the older son. The older son is in the field, father's in the house, and he had lost connection with the father. Here's how I know. Had he been in the house with the father, he would have known what mattered to the father. Had he been connected to the father, he might have actually gone out and looked for his brother. Had he been connected to the father, he would have been with the father celebrating when his younger brother came home. But instead of being in the house, he was where? In the field. In the field. In the field. And the Bible says when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. Now, let's talk about that. Because we all understand hearing somebody's music. Right? Like me... I like my music loud. 
When I go to the gym, I wear my earbuds super loud, like they're turned all the way up. And, and so that's why, so, and I do it for a couple of reasons. Um, number one, the main reason is, is because it, it pushes me. But the number two reason is because if you come up to me and start talking to me, I can just be like, shut up, stop talking, like I don't, I don't want to talk to you. Like, like my, my kids are constantly telling me, turn down the music in my truck. I have super loud speakers on my motorcycle. I crank music loud when I'm in my office studying. I love loud music. Anybody else? Like, think about this. When you're riding down the road, have you ever, have you ever, like, heard somebody else's music? Like, you pull up next to them at the stoplight, and you hear their music, and, and you catch yourself, you just start singing along. Any, anybody do that? Or, or am I the only weirdo here? Don't answer that, but... See, that's not uncommon, right? We, we all get that. We understand hearing music. But when you hear dancing, that's a party right there, right? When you hear dancing, like in today's world, we don't know that very well, or we don't think about that. When you hear people dancing, oh my gosh, Uncle Frank has got the lampshade on his head, and he's on the coffee table. Can you hear that? That's a party, right? Like, that is a party. The reason I want to point this out is because when the father throws a party, it is a party, right? You got to fight for your right. Uh, anyway, it's, it's that like it's, I mean, it is a party. I mean, that's why I'm so excited about heaven. Heaven is going to be a celebration. It is going to be a huge party. I heard a pastor say one time, when we get to heaven, we're going to wear robes and sing hymns. I'm like, dear God, that would suck. That'd be awful. But see, that's not true. Because when you read the book of Revelation, there are all kinds of celebrations in heaven. And there's a big table, and there's a feast, and there's tons of food with no calories. And I made that part up. And, and there's all this stuff. And it's just a part, and I'm excited about a celebration. You should be excited about a celebration. When the Father throws a party, when there's a party in the Father's house, when there's a party going on that the Father is throwing, we should be excited about that. And in this text right here, the Father's throwing a celebration. And we know it's a celebration because you can hear music and dancing. And so the older brother calls to one of his servants, says he called one of his servants and asked him what was going on. And he asked him, don't miss this, because he was completely unaware of the work that the father was doing. Angry people are completely unaware of the work that the father really wants to do in them, through them, and around them. That should be in your outline like that, but I don't think I added enough blanks. What the father wants to do, angry people are completely unaware of what the work the father really wants to do in them, through them, and around them. Now, all of us know about this. Once again, um, confession time. All right, we're in church. Don't, don't lie. How many of you have ever been unaware of your surroundings? Like completely unaware of what's going on around you? Uh, actually, let me set it up with another question. How many people in this room, and, and again, my hand will be the first one up. So again, no shame. All right, but how many of you, be honest enough to admit in church, have you ever texted while driving? Raise your hand. If you're a teenager, you don't have to raise your hand right now because your parents are sitting next to you right now and they might kill you and uh, you don't, I don't know. You shouldn't text and drive, right? None of us should ever text and drive. However, 
I think I'm the exception. I, I think I should be able to. I, I think it's dangerous for you, but, but I think I'm pretty good at it. And don't judge me, because you think that about you too, right? You think you're good at it. And uh, Anyway, a um, little confession time. This is like, coming up here is like my therapy session. It, it really is. This is, this is like th- free therapy for me. Like, it's like, hi, my name is Ryan. I got lots of problems, all right? So I'm about to tell you. Um, a few weeks ago, this is where, this is where I, I realized I probably shouldn't text and drive. Um, I was in a text argument with somebody. You ever argue with somebody over text message? How many of you ever done that? Always solves the problem, doesn't it? You'll resolve everything right there. You send a mean little emoji faces. You send like the middle finger. I didn't even know the middle finger was an option. Until <laughs> a guy showed it to me. I won't tell you his name, but his initials are John Sampson. <laughs> I never sent it, but I get it all the time from the staff. I'm just like, like I, I don't send it to anybody because I'm afraid you're going to screenshot it. Look at what our pastor does. I don't know. That actually might be cool. You might put out, look at our pastor did. Maybe people want to come. I don't know. Expect a text from me doubled up this week. I don't know. No, no, no. I don't. <laughs> but anyway, I'm off track. <laughs> I'm unaware of my surroundings. Um, I'm texting back and forth. We're kind of going back and forth. And, I, and, I, and it's just like one of those things where I'm texting. You know, like you drive with your knees and you're texting and you're super into it. I mean, how many of you do that? Like, again, shouldn't be texting and driving. Like, I know a guy, like legit, know a guy who we could be driving 85, 90 miles an hour on our motorcycles, and he's texting. I won't tell you his initials, but he's sitting right over there. He's Casper Bauer. Like, that's <laughs> the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life, dude. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> All right. Anyway. Okay. Focus, focus, focus. I'm coming back from, from Baird, and I'm, so I'm back through, like, Coon Rapids and stuff. I had felt like a little bump. But I didn't really, like, understand. Maybe I, like, ran over something dead or something. I, I didn't know. Um, but I looked up, and this is where I realized I had a serious problem, and I shouldn't be texting and driving. I looked up, and I'm, like, 35 or 40 year, yards into the middle of a field. I mean, like, I looked up, and I'm like, oh, there's a cow. Like, that shouldn't, like, this isn't, this isn't normal. But I was so into it. I was so unaware of my surroundings that I almost caused a lot of problems. I did cause some problems, but I could have caused a lot more. The older brother was causing problems because he was so unaware of what the father was doing that the servant had to tell him, hey, man, this is what's happening. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. Now, hold on for just a second. You would think that the older brother would be super, 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 super excited that his younger brother came home, yes or no? I, I, I mean, he, he was away. His life had fallen apart. He had been in the pig pen. He, he, he was like, 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 essentially, he was dead to the family. You would have think that this guy would have been like, my brother's home? Get me into the house. I want a party. But he's an angry person. And so the Bible goes on to say this, and Jesus says in verse 28, the older brother became angry. Say angry. Angry. You can't even say angry angry with a smile on your face can you that word just sounds like anger like you want to uh, anyway the older brother became angry and refused to go in so his father went out and pleaded with him he missed the celebration because he was angry don't miss this when we get angry at someone they don't miss out we miss out every single time when we're angry at someone 
They don't miss out. We miss out. Because the older brother preferred to stand outside, and he missed the celebration. Listen, I've done this. You've done this. We've all done this. Remember a few weeks ago, um, I asked you all every day for a week, I said, um, I'd like for you to pray this prayer. Jesus, teach me to see people like you see people. Remember that? How many of you did that at least one time? All right, quite a few of us. I did. I prayed it every single day. Um, One day, I was having a great day. Um, I've got this sign in my office that hangs in my office that says, I'm having a great day. Don't screw it up. Like, I, I should really just wear that as a T-shirt every day so that you all know. Just like, hey, he's having a good day. Like, don't, don't, don't mess it up. So I was having a great day, and I had. Everybody say had. Had. Like, no choice in this. I had to go to Walmart. And Walmart is one of those places that stresses me the heck out. Anyone want to amen that? Anybody else there with that? And so I needed, like, five things. I get in. I got those five things really fast. I went to the front of the store. The self-checkout was packed full of people with overflowing carts, and, and, and there were lights out, so they weren't even all open. And there were, because it's Walmart, there were two additional lanes that were open, like lane 26 and lane number two, like not even close to each other. And so, like, I, I don't know if, if you do this or not, but I walked to, to the first lane to see how many people were in that line. And I looked, and, and there were quite a few, and so I walked all the way down to the other one, and there were more people there. And so I walked back down to the first one, and three more people had gotten in the line with full carts. And I'm like, oh! And so I walked back down to the first one, and I'm just like, and, and I don't know if you do this or not, but after I finally pick a line, I put imaginary Ryan in the other line, and if imaginary Ryan beats physical Ryan out, I'm super angry. Anybody else do that? Or like, okay. And so I'm in line, and the line's moving, and it's okay. And right in front of me is this older lady. And so I just prayed, like, Jesus, teach me to see people as you see people. I'm trying not to be upset. I'm trying to be, ah. And she was just a sweet older lady. She had the smile on her face, nice little neat demeanor about her. And I was like, oh, my gosh, Jesus, thank you for putting me here and helping me focus on this. She's a sweet lady. Thank you. Let, let me see her as you see her. And almost, like, I. I, just like almost as soon as I said that prayer, like I can visualize Jesus in heaven just going, <laughs> okay, preacher boy, I'm about to give you an opportunity. Because like at that exact moment, I can't make this up. This is an honest God, true story. At that exact moment, she reached into her purse and pulled out a stack of coupons. Like this chick is rolling deep, you know what I'm saying? And she looked at the cashier, and she went, I don't know how many of these apply to the groceries that I have, but I've got plenty of time. And I'm thinking, no, you don't, lady. you got one foot in the grave and one foot. I, I didn't say that out loud, but I thought it. Because I'm like, are you serious? Are you kidding me right now? And then, again, I can, I promise you, I promise you, I promise you this is true. I can't make this stuff up. She pulled out a checkbook. In that moment, I went from happy to angry. And it happens every time I see coupon lady. It's always a lady. L ladies, don't get mad. What about the men? We ain't the ones clipping coupons. And if you're a dude that clips coupons, don't let us know. Anger, right? It's just anger. Like we all understand that switch of how we can just be in one spot and then something happened and all of a sudden we're just like, we're just like, ha. Ah. 
The older brother became angry. And what happens when we become angry is we miss out on what God really wants to do in our lives. Because I'm going to tell you something. Um, This is really bad, but this is true. God spoke to me in that line and said, you need to pay for that lady's groceries. And I didn't do it because I was angry. I didn't. And, And you know what? Listen to me. I missed out. I missed out. Because I don't know what that would have done for that lady, but I know it would have done something for me. I'm the one that misses out when I get angry. You're the one who misses out when you get angry. We're the ones who miss out when we get angry. And I don't want us, church, I don't want us to continue to be angry people and and miss out on what God really wants to do in us, through us, and around us. The beautiful thing about this story is just like the grace of God was extended to the other brother, where he was able to come to his senses and he came home and the father welcomed him back in, the grace of God is extended to the older brother too. See, if I'd have been the dad, I'd have been like, let him sit his butt outside. Let's let him stay out there. Like when he gets tired, when he gets hungry, when, when he starts throwing his little pity party, he'll come in. Like when he wants to, he'll come in. But the father went outside. Don't miss this. The father went outside and he pleads with the older brother too. And what we get from that is God loves the rebellious and he loves the religious. He pleads with both of them to come into the house. Because, see, in the story, the rebellious is not in the house, but the religious isn't in the house either. I'll I'll prove it to you. Verse 29. But he answered his father, look. Can you imagine saying this to God? Hey, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you have never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. Now, a couple things about this. There's a bunch of jacked up stuff in this right here, and we'll talk about it. But let's start like this. Let me ask this question. What do you enjoy? What do you really enjoy? Like if I were to say to you, hey, hey, let's, let's, go, out to, let's, go, out to, let's go out this afternoon. Let's do something that you enjoy. Like let's just go do something that you like to do. What would that be? A um, couple of examples for me. Eating a big, fat, juicy, Bordenero's cheeseburger. Like, like the one that he makes from ground-up steak, and he smothers it with cheese. Like, like this thing right here. We ate this thing the other day. That's like his version of the Big Mac. That is phenomenal. If you're looking at this thing right now, and you can't enjoy that because you're like a vegan or a vegetarian or an octo-vegetarian or a lacto-vegetarian or whatever the vegetarians are, let, let, let me point something out to you. All right, I'm going to point this out because it's in the text. Jesus said they went out and they did what? They killed the what? The fatted calf, right? Jesus is into beef, just saying, sinner. And so any, anyway, if you're a vegetarian, I really don't care. That's just more beef for me. I just like, people look at that, somebody, somebody shout out, that'll clog your arteries. That'll ca-. I don't care. Don't care. Just get me to Jesus faster. Like, I don't, I don't even get that. But that's what I enjoy, sitting at the beach, reading a book. Like, I love that. That legitimately brings me enjoyment. How many of you enjoy yard work? How many of you enjoy yard work? Yeah, that's hell for me. I don't enjoy that. Not one bit. And if a cat runs through my yard while it's happening, man, I'm really not going to be happy. Like, I don't enjoy that. People, people enjoy different things. Here's the question I have for you, and this is the question I want you to, to really ponder and really think about. At the end of the day, 
do you enjoy a relationship with God? Do you? Do you enjoy a relationship with God? Because he created us so that we can enjoy a relationship with him, not endure one. The older brother, though, doesn't look like he's enjoying his relationship with his father. And you say, well, Ryan, where do you get that? Oh, I don't know. Maybe the part where he said, all these years I've been slaving for you? Does that sound like fun? Slaving? Now, I, I get this. I get this because religious people feel locked in. We feel enslaved. Um, when I be- first became a Christian, I went to a great church, wonderful church, incredible people. The church was doing incredible things in the community. It was growing. It's still a growing church. It's huge. does a lot of incredible, incredible, incredible things. Um, but back then, we had sort of this work-based mentality. And so they would say things like, hey, now that you're a Christian, you've you got to do all this stuff. Like, you've got to read your Bible. And I'm like, okay, I can read my Bible. And they're like, no, you need to read it every day. I'm like, cool, man. I love reading my Bible. To this day, I love reading my Bible every single day. Like, that, that actually brings me enjoyment. That is, I tell you this all the time, that is where I connect with God. And so reading the Bible, like, I got that. Then they were like, okay, you need to pray. You need to pray every day. And I'm like, well, I don't really know how to pray. And so they gave me this formula how to pray. Now, I was praying this formula, and I was doing it every day, but I wasn't getting the things that I wanted, so I started to become frustrated in prayer. And I'm like, man, prayer thing, it's not, it's not working out. And they said, well, if you really want to be godly, you have to journal. And I'm like, well, what does it mean to journal? And it's like, you keep a diary. And I'm like, well, I'm not a teenage girl, so I don't really know what that means. And they're like, no, you just write down all your thoughts. And I'm like, oh, dear God, I'd get arrested. Like, I can't write my thoughts down. Like, that's like the worst thing I've ever heard in my life. They're like, no, you write your godly thoughts down. And I'm like, I don't have any. And so I couldn't journal. And then they're like, okay, and then you got to do all these things. You got to do these activities. And in that particular church, we had Bible study on Monday night. We had visitation on Tuesday night. On Wednesday night, we had prayer meeting, which we never, ever prayed for anybody. We just sat around, and we talked about people and gossiped about people, which is probably another message for another time. We had Thursday night fellowship, which means if you were a guy, you came in and you played basketball. If you were a girl, you went to quilting or scrapbooking. Um, On Friday night, we kind of had the night off, unless you were single, and then you went to the singles ministry. On Saturday morning, we had outreach, which lasted most of the day, and then church all day on Sunday. And we were so busy. And I remember one day just thinking, man, I, I don't enjoy this. It isn't fun for me. Like, I'm just doing, 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 and, I, and I, don't, I don't enjoy this at all. Now, I'm not saying anything bad about reading your Bible, praying, journaling, prayer meetings. Uh, I, I, I think you should do all of that. I think, I think you should be a part of those things. Whatever sets your heart on fire for Jesus, you hear me say this all the time, figure out what sets your heart on fire for Jesus and just do that and do it a lot. But it's not about activities. It's about a relationship. And I think the older brother was not enjoying the relationship with the father. In fact, I would say he probably didn't even have one. See, you can't have a relationship with somebody if you're trying really hard to work to impress them, right? You can't be in a relationship with somebody if you're trying really hard just to work to impress them. And the older brother is working hard. And he says this, all these years I've been slaving for you, and I have never disobeyed your orders. Hold up. Parents, let's talk about this. How many of you have a kid or kids that are older than, let's just throw out, seven years old? How many of them have never disobeyed you? 
Kids are born wired to disobey, right? Well, don't you think, like, what would it be if your kid came up to you and said today, Mom, Dad, I don't know why you're freaking out. I have never disobeyed you. You'd kind of just be like, drugs, now. Go get them and bring them back because I don't know what you're smoking, kids. You disobey me all the time. The older brother, though, don't miss this. The older brother is so self-righteous that he's comparing himself to the younger brother. And compared to him, hey, Dad, Dad, compared to him, I've never disobeyed you. Now, don't we do that to people who we're angry with? Don't we maximize their sin and minimize our own? Don't, don't we do that? I mean, when it comes to sin and us, we're a defense attorney. But when it comes to them, we're judge, jury, and executioner. And it always makes us angry. Always. When we focus on other people's sin, it always makes us angry. And angry people miss out on what God is doing and what he wants to do in their lives. I've never disobeyed your orders. Come on, man. Look at this. Yet, you've never even given me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. Hold on, hold on, hold on. The older son, I talked to you about this last week. I told you this was going to be key for this week. The older son got what? Anybody remember? Your younger son got half or got some money. The other brother got double the inheritance. Remember that? So so the, the older brother gets all of this money. All of this land, all of this animals. I'm sure within there, there's a goat, right? I'm sure there's at least one goat and the animals. The younger son gets some of it. He leaves, loses it all, comes back. They're celebrating. They, you, you hear music and dancing like they are partying. The, young, the older brother's standing outside. What you mad about, bro? A goat. A goat? You mad about a goat? Your brother just came back home. You've got everything. And you're mad about a goat? But right here is so sad. Look at this. Verse 30, he says this. But when this son of yours, notice it's not this brother of mine. All right, not this brother of mine. He's not my brother. He ain't my brother because of what he did, because of where he's been. When this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him. Here's what's super heartbreaking about this right here. The younger brother, or the older brother, would have been happier if the younger brother would have died in the pig pen. And don't miss this. When we can celebrate tragedy in somebody else's life, something is broken inside of us. When we can look at a situation, not outwardly, because we're Christians, we would never do it outwardly, but inwardly celebrate the demise or the fall of another person, if we could celebrate that, something is broken inside of us because we're obviously not seeing that person or that situation like Jesus would. And and I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching to me as well right now as much as I'm preaching to anybody in this room. Listen, we can never celebrate when somebody falls, but we've always got to celebrate when they get back up. Always, always, always. Now listen to me. I want to say this because there are some people, and you might know some of these people, And I'm going to be bold, and I'm going to be honest with you. There are some people in our church that you celebrate when people fall. And inwardly, you think about it. And inwardly, it makes you, it it, it just causes you to to just just feel this sense of, 
I don't know, I don't want to call it joy, but it's this, this sense of, of something. And you get together with other people and you talk about it and it's gossip. And listen to me, you need to knock that crap off. Why would we ever celebrate when somebody falls? Why would we ever celebrate that? Why would we want to get together? Why would we want to point that out? Why would we want to get with somebody and talk about it behind their back instead of going to the person and helping them stand back up? I want to be a part of a church that helps people get back up when they fall down. Anybody else? That's where I want to be. This gossip stuff that happens, it needs to stop. And don't look at me like you don't know anybody who does it because you know, and you know if you do it. And if you're doing it, it needs to stop. And if you continue to do it, this probably isn't your church because we're constantly going to celebrate people who, who, who get back up because we're surrounded with imperfect people. I'm an imperfect person. And if you're being led by an imperfect person, imperfect people are going to be attracted to the same types of things. And so we got to stop it, church. we got to knock it off. We can't celebrate the demise of another person. Move on, because I can see that kind of hit a chord. This next part I love, because the dad says this. The dad says, my son, you are always with me. In other words, man, you know, you're missing out on this. Like, you just, you're missing the point of this entire thing. You're always with me, and everything I have is yours. Everything I have is yours. You have so much to be thankful for. But we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours, notice this. He still told him, hey, it's not like he's not. It's not like he's not your brother. Like, like he's your brother. That's your brother. And, and think about this. When Jesus is telling this, he's talking to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. And I like to think he pointed. The, the, the brother of yours, the tax collectors, the sinners, the prostitutes, like you're all in the same boat, boys, every one of you. This brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. In other words, hey, son, I know how you feel about your brother, and I love you, son. I really love you, but we're not shutting this party down. Your brother was lost, and now he is found, and we are going to celebrate that. We're going to celebrate, celebrate, celebrate. Yes, he fell down, but he came back. Yes, he, he was in the pig pen, but he came to his senses. God loves him, I love him, and you need to love him. The point of this entire thing is we need to be connecting people to Jesus and each other, son, and, and we are not going to stop. I want you to listen to me, church. If you're an angry person, I get it. <laughs> there, are, there are times I'm angry too, and, and, and I want to say I get it, I get it, I get it, I love you, I do. I'm so glad that you're in church today. I am, but just like I want to see sinners repent of sin, and and I talk about I want you to repent of religion, I I want us to be able to repent of our anger too. You can repent, or you can be angry. The choice is yours, but but hear me. And and, and I want to say this in regards to our church in particular, and and I'm going to say this. I don't know what service goes on the Internet, um, but I'm going to say this, and I'm only talking about Central Church in here. Like, I don't know what other churches are doing. I don't know what's going on at other churches. I don't really care. I care about what we're doing here. I care about the mission that, that we're doing here. I care about what God has called us to do. And whether you're sitting in here or whether you're watching online, if what we do makes you angry, you can get as angry as you want, but you will not shut this party down. Because this church 
is always going to be about doing whatever it takes short of sin to reach people who are far from God. And when they come home, we're going to celebrate that. We are going to celebrate lost people getting found. I want you to listen to me, church. I love this church. I love it. I love it. I love it with all my heart. People ask me all the time, if you weren't pastoring here, what would you do? I don't know. I, I honestly don't know what I would be doing. I know I'd still be telling people about Jesus because I love how Jesus changes lives. I love it. I love to see lost people get found. I love to see found people get grown up. I love to see marriages get restored. I love, like on, on Wednesday nights, like I, I love seeing what's happening here with our kids. I, I love seeing our 712 students. L- listen, how many of you adults know that if we would have had what they had for us, what, what they've got right now, what they've got over there at that youth center, like if we would have had that for us, we probably wouldn't have gone down the same road. Like think about how many teenagers are not going down the road that we went down because we connect them to Jesus on their level and we've given them a house that they're able to come home to. Th- think about how many kids are back in kids' church right now They're not going to grow up with the same view of church that you and I had. They don't think church is boring. They don't think church is dull. They love church. Like some of your kids got you up this morning to get your butt to church this morning. That's how much they love church. That's a win. Would you agree? Like I love that. And I love that about this church. I love this church. And this week, this church is going to party. Our Easter services are going to be loud. And they are going to be awesome. And so I'm asking you, as a church body, let's connect with the heart of God this week. Jesus, in this story that we've been looking at the past two weeks, is talking about that which is lost and that which is found. Jesus, is con- Jesus the heart of Jesus is for that which is lost. And so let's go after every lost person that God brings to our mind. If somebody's coming to your mind, Satan doesn't bring that person to your mind. God does. Let's bring them to a service and watch what God does. This is a big week. It's a great, big, huge week. Egg drop on Saturday, four services next weekend. And listen again, it's going to be loud. And it's going to be awesome. And it's going to be a party because lost people are going to get found. Jesus is going to call people home. And I want you to be happy. I don't want you to be angry. I want you to be inside of the house when that happens. Let's stand and pray.